grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus is addressing the religious leaders of the day at the beginning of the Gospel reading. There's a lot to think about. But we see that it convicted them in their unbelief and their apathy toward God's kingdom found in Christ. Here he was, the Messiah had come, he was always ready, he's standing before them, yet they did not feast with him, they did not listen to him. Instead of heeding his voice, voice of the prophets, the promises, they answered by killing the very one who came to be the redemption. So it's this first part of the parable then that addresses this as, here again, these words. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. The Jews didn't want to be bothered by Jesus. They had one excuse after another. They had better things to do, or they just flat out rejected the Lord. But something happened, though. We know our history. They would see Jerusalem pillaged. They would see the temple destroyed. Their holy city, the city of peace, would become a pile of ruin and ash as the king would not let the rejection of his son go unnoticed. God's wrath is real, and it burns against sin. The murders in their city would be destroyed. God cannot mock. And the thing about God... He always has the last word. So to the shame of these people, and out of the sheer abundant mercy of the king, the word goes out. And this time it goes out far and wide. Jesus went on in the parable. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. So this king was throwing a banquet for his son. And he wanted people there. It's a wedding feast. And you can't pull a fast one on the king. If he wants the hall full of people, he'll get it full of people. There's plenty of room, plenty of food at the feast for those whom the king calls to the feast. God is going to accomplish this even despite the absurd actions of men that reject his gracious invitation. God's word goes forth. God's word accomplishes the purposes for which he sends it. The first part of this parable makes all this clear and shows, too, that God's word goes out to all peoples and all nations, as Jesus would send out the apostles at the end of Matthew's gospel. But you see, the fault never lies with God. The fault always lies with man. The king's invitation goes out, and it shouldn't surprise us one iota that people make ridiculous excuses and reject it all. And every time we hear this reading, the excuses that they make in this one that Jesus brings up in the parable, they're just lame. They're not even good ones. They don't have anything to stand on. 
But it's at this point then that the second part of the parable gets interesting. Not that the first wasn't. But Jesus speaks about the king looking over at the feast now that people are there. Here again, these words. But when the king came in to look at the guest, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So if the first part of the parable teaches how all are invited, it by no means implies that everyone automatically has a place. God is no universalist. You aren't entitled to be at the feast. The gospel is for all, yet all are not saved in the end. Now it's at this point then where things start to narrow down. And you start to fit in and ask yourself, where am I in all of this reading? So are you a bit uncomfortable yet? Well, you should be if you aren't. Because there's a hard saying before us this morning at the end of the gospel reading. Jesus said, for many are called, but few are chosen. Did you hear that? Are you listening now? So where are you in all of this? Ask yourself this question. Am I lacking the wedding garment? That is to say, when the king looks around, he sees the room now with guests here to celebrate the wedding of his son and the feast, and his eyes span and they stop at you. Are you exposed for who you are and left without anywhere to hide? Now, it's always easy for us to turn things in the church into an outward-looking perspective in a negative sense. It's easy on the one hand to hear this harsh word in the Bible and another thing to apply to ourselves within the church. Because our sinful nature is really good at that. We know that's the case. And wants to think God's call to repentance, to turn from sin, to turn from unbelief. Well, that's something for those, those other people outside the church. And that's true. But it's for us as well. There's a call to sober thinking. To keep watch on yourself, lest the day come upon you like a thief unaware. And you find yourself naked at the feast. That theme will come up here as we enter into the end of the church here. Being on guard, keeping watch. And the epistle reading today warns you about your life in this world. And it's written to those who are baptized. It's written to Christians inside the church. Ephesians 4 is that great baptismal chapter. And here in Ephesians 5, that continues as he teaches what God's people are to look like in their life. St. Paul writes, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So as you hear those words, your minds, your hearts, your lives are to be lived with that in mind. Hear what God says. Take this to heart. Look around you. Look at yourself. Life is short. The days are short. The days are also evil, God says. 
So don't be a fool. But each day when you get up in the morning, stand up as one who remembers and lives what God has called you to be as his baptized child. And know full well that the mercy of God is towards you, even as you have been called out of this world and into the kingdom of God, which has no end. So as you go about your day, understand it's a gift. That the very fact that you can get up in the morning and even have air to breathe and daily bread to feed your body is nothing short of God's grace and mercy towards you. And when you go about your work or the things you have on your list for the day to complete, do them as someone who is wise in the ways of God. Not using the day, not using your work as a cover-up for evil, rather to serve your neighbor and as a fruit of your faith in Christ. And when you are tempted to forget the things of God by the devil, the world, and your own fallen flesh, are tempted to start turning your back on the Lord and his church, making lame excuses, then think long and hard about this man in the reading who was thrown into the outer darkness. He wanted to be at the feast, but he wanted it on his terms. And he didn't belong. Think about that and be warned now so that not... It's not you on the day when you stand before the Lord. So do you want the Lord to look at you and judge you on the basis of your own merits, on the basis of yourself? Because when you look at yourself, you see you don't belong at the feast. It isn't for you. So where does that leave you? Well, it all comes back to God's mercy. You see in your life that God has called you his own and given you a place at the feast here in the church now and points you to the feast to come. You can read a lot on the whole wedding garment thing and scholars kind of debate what that all means and there's not a whole lot that we know about in depth at least with the marriage practices during this time, during Jesus' time. We have later we'll hear about the ten virgins with the lamps and things like that. But it's a thing commonly held that when you went to a feast, a wedding feast, was not unheard of for then the owner of the feast or the one who's throwing the feast to give you a nice wedding garment. He would give it to you so you'd have something nice to wear at the feast and you look nice in the pictures, the wedding pictures. They didn't take pictures back then, right? They didn't have cameras, no iPhones taking everybody's picture. But still, this was given to you. So when you see that based on yourself, you see that you have no, nothing but filthy rags to stand before the presence of the king. But you see that God has clothed you as his own. And you see that call to listen to him. You see that the times that you have ignored him or put something else in place of it. But when you humble yourself and see there's nothing more important than Christ and his word, then everything else falls into place. With that in mind, no excuse is reasonable. It isn't. There's no reasonable excuse. Nothing else matters, it really doesn't, in comparison with the eternal things of God. But fixing your eyes on Christ crucified, you see that you do have indeed a place before God because of him and his work for you. Understanding and believing the gospel, you would, would and do whatever it takes to hear God's word and receive his sacraments. Nothing would stop you from that. And this is all in humility as you place your sin on Christ who has atoned for it. So rather than strutting in and standing proudly before God's throne, you stand justified. You stand covered with the robe of Christ's righteousness, and you claim no merit except the merit of Jesus, who has lived, who has died, and has risen for you. And he is the one who gives you a place. So the call goes out. All is ready. 
and it's here right now. Don't make excuses, but go to where Christ has promised to be for you. Seek the Lord where he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So Jesus is right, even in that hard saying, many are called, but few are chosen. And this parable from Matthew is referenced in the Formula of Concord in the article on election and predestination and takes a great deal from a sermon by Martin Chemnitz on it. Martin Chemnitz is one of my favorite theologians, our son Boyd Chemnitz, named after him. And so taste and see what this means for you. There's great comfort in this because you are God's chosen people. That's you. You're the chosen ones. And how do you know this? That this feast is for you and you have a place? Because God has given you his word. You're baptized into Christ. He con- you confessed your sin and God forgave you your sin. And the Lord's Supper, you feast at his table, eating his body and blood. Not just to assure you that you are his chosen people, but to actually give it to you through those means. So you have a place. Rejoice that God is at work in your life and gives you great comfort and consolation. So yes, those words of Jesus today humble you. But you see, they also exalt you. As you see, your Lord has called you his own and forgives your sin and keeps calling you. He's chosen you as his own. So don't doubt that for one minute. You are God's people. Absolutely. This is most certainly true. So rejoice. The call goes out. All is ready. Feast now. Feast forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.